Today is Tuesday, November 29th, and you're listening to the Morning Announcements presented by Betches Media. I'm your host, Sammy Sage, and the Morning Announcements is your daily five-minute breakdown of the headlines that isn't afraid to take a side and roast the most consequential reality show there is, our government. The midterm elections may have gone smoothly, but unfortunately, some election deniers still refuse to quit, particularly in Arizona. Yesterday was the deadline for the state's 15 counties to report their final results to the Secretary of State's office, which is known as the canvas. However, not all 15 counties have reached agreement on reality. The good news, at least, is that the big name in Arizona elections, Maricopa County, voted unanimously to certify their results, even as Carrie Lake continued to spread lies about it. However, the Republican-controlled rural Cochise County has missed yesterday's deadline to certify the results, despite having zero evidence of anything wrong with the vote count there. State election officials said that they would sue the county if they missed the deadline, so expect that to happen if it hasn't already by the time this podcast comes out. And don't even get me started on the fact that there are serious hours to be billed to lawyers thanks to people's refusal to accept simple math. So speaking of people who refuse to acknowledge empirical reality, former Trump advisor and purveyor of alternative facts, Kellyanne Conway, sat for a deposition with the House January 6th committee for almost five hours yesterday without invoking the Fifth Amendment. Conway was represented by an attorney who formerly worked in Trump's White House, and the committee did not comment on whether Conway's appearance was the result of a subpoena or whether it was voluntary, though Kellyanne told reporters that it was voluntary so I'd give that maybe a 50-50 chance of being true. Now on to a real authoritarian country. If you had asked me about two weeks ago which world dictator I thought had the most stable hold over his country, and I say his because it is never hers, I would have probably said Xi Jinping in China. However, recent events have made me question that assumption as anti-government protests have been ongoing across China for over a week. These protests were originally motivated by the country's zero COVID policy, which has led to frequent surprise lockdowns when pretty much anyone in a particular area tests positive. And last week, one of those stringent lockdowns led to the deaths of 10 people after an apartment fire in Xinjiang, where rescue measures were hindered and people were prevented from escaping the building. For context, the 25 million residents of Xinjiang have been under lockdown for the past 100 days. But since reports and footage of the apartment fire went viral on China's social media, protesters have begun demonstrating across the country, including in the capital of Beijing and the economic center of Shanghai. This is a big deal because it is very unusual for public dissent against the Communist Party to happen in China. And some protesters have even called for President Xi to step down. So far, police have mostly allowed the protests to continue, though numerous people were arrested in Shanghai over the weekend and I'm sure the government will just allow all these dissenters to continue on with their lives as if nothing ever happened. Now back to America. Right now, more than 2 million people in Houston, Texas are under a boil water notice as of yesterday after a power outage at a purification plant. Houston is the fourth largest city in the U.S., and its residents are now expected to boil water before cooking, bathing, or drinking, which has led to school closures in the area as well. So dirty water days are totally the new snow day, just less enchanting. 
Five police officers in Connecticut were each charged with second-degree reckless endangerment and cruelty misdemeanors for their treatment of a black man named Randy Cox in June of 2022. Randy Cox was in the back of a police van after officers arrested him on a weapons charge, when the driver braked hard at an intersection to avoid a collision, leading to Cox slamming his head into the car's metal partition. Cox then pleaded for help, saying he can't move and that he was going to die, while officers mocked him and accused him of being drunk and faking his injuries. He was later found to have a fractured neck and paralysis, and the original arrest charges were later dropped. Cox's family has since filed a federal lawsuit against the city of New Haven and the five officers, though last week, four of the officers filed motions claiming qualified immunity. Very legal and very cool. We're finishing today's episode with two stories out of Scammer Man Baby Valley. Yesterday, Twitter's CEO and its sole board member spent the majority of his day ranting about Apple, following news that they are considering pulling Twitter out of the App Store as a result of the false and dangerous content that Elon is now allowing and even encouraging on the platform. Key to this conflict is that Apple is one of Twitter's top advertisers, having spent $48 million on Twitter ads in the first quarter of 2022 alone, which accounted for 4% of Twitter's revenue that quarter. So Elon has decided that the best way to get his client back was to tweet about going to war with them, whining about the secret 30% tax that Apple takes on everything in their store, which is actually not a secret at all, and taunting Apple CEO Tim Cook by ad mention. In addition to claiming that Apple hates free speech because they pulled their advertising, Elon tweeted a poll asking if Apple should publish all censorship actions that it's taken and teased the launch of the, quote, Twitter files on free speech suppression that will soon be published on Twitter itself. Excuse me, Pulitzer Committee? Are you guys hearing this? Just want to make sure you don't miss this one. Which brings us to Sam Bankman-Fried, who is lucky that Elon chose these particular weeks to act like a red-pilled banshee. According to new reporting from Bloomberg, Bankman-Fried's crypto exchange, FTX, donated $1 million to the Senate Leadership Committee, which is run by Mitch McConnell. According to FEC filings, the donation was made on October 27th, just two weeks before the midterms and the total collapse of FTX. The crypto exchange also gave nearly a million dollars to PACs that supported House Republican candidates. But honestly, you don't have to dig too deep to see that Bankman-Fried was really not into picking political sides. FEC documents have revealed that Bankman-Fried actually gave most of his funds to Democrats. He gave a total of $39.4 million across both parties making him the sixth largest donor in the midterm elections. Another very legal and very cool result of our campaign finance system. Thank you for listening to the morning announcements. If you're a fan of the show, please consider leaving me a five-star rating on Spotify and or review on Apple Podcasts. And of course, please share the show with your friends or on your Instagram story or TikTok. Your support has helped us grow so much and reach so many new listeners, and we are excited to keep it going. And of course, we are excited for you to be a part of that. Until tomorrow, I'm Sammy Sage, and now you know what the fuck is going on. Betches.